After you were asking me if he was the guy, and I think he's you're asking you were asking if he's the guy that we were talking about in the weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought no, was he wasn't. Was he like, wasn't. Whoa. Yeah, no, oh, he wasn't. Wow. Yeah, that he crazy. thought he was Jay Bull. No. Well, dude, I saw your reaction. Yeah, I was like, that has to be him. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all going crazy. <laughs> I was like, that might be him. No, I was powerful. Oh. He's a good dude, bro. Yeah, I'm excited for his journey. Same, same. Yeah, yeah I was with him till. Probably like two thirty in the morning. Man, just talking. So, did you guys go to J Bulls? We went to J Bulls, and um, J Bull had like a bunch of people over. So when I called you, all the background sound was because like a bunch of the people from the event were like all at J Bulls. So me and Nick were just like in the corner and just like talking, and yeah. But it was good, man. I was I spent an hour and a half talking to my mom's boyfriend about that dude yesterday and now uh, just to the point of like you know like i was saying me and jamal had kind of just given up on him and like in our own respect of like obviously he has to do it on his own because yeah. there's nothing that we can do that's going to do it and sure enough last night played out how it played out so it was good Super it was good unexpected. yeah he, he loved the fact that you completely went off of your notes and he just felt like you were just talking straight to him so yeah yeah it was good it was real good yeah um, but yeah, so thank you for sitting down with us again. We appreciate your time. Um, yeah, the, the goat for real, the goat for real. So, one today, no, when I was coming back from Cancun, TSA, I had to take it out like three, four times just in the layover process. And oh, TSA is horrible, yep. So that was that. But let's see here. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Think about your boy a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It just I think it's just a good reminder how we're called just not to lose hope in people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's not to lose hope in people, and it's not that we, it's not that we become a crutch for that person. Right. Um, and it's not that we don't release them into allowing God to to reach for them in His own way. Mm-hmm. You do everything that you can. All you can really do is pray, but. I think it's cool, man, that, you know, God is just so good at reminding us that we're called to have hope in humanity. Yeah. You know? and, and I think I think that's what and I think that's what makes our cause different. Right. Than everyone else. Right. Like there's always hope, you know, as long as there's breath in the lungs, as long as there's life, there's always hope. And uh, I love that, man. That's powerful. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Like I even, you know, like uh, when I did altar call like a month ago. In the moment, I was like, oh, wow. This you did the altar call? Yeah. In a, in a moment, I was like, oh, this is great for me. Like, this is great. Um, and you were speaking to me and um, speaking over me, really. But in the moment, I was like, wow, this is really good for me. And then after the moment, I was like, wait, no. Like, that was really good for the people that know me that were in the crowd yeah. as well. Um, and so that's kind of like like you were just saying, you know, with, with the hope thing, like – with uh the homie last night it was it was a good reminder for me 
Um, and, you know, I was sitting next to him the entire service and he was just sobbing the entire time. And I and I knew why he was because I knew everything that you were saying. I knew what was resounding in him because I just know him like that. I know him well enough to know like, ooh, yeah, that one. Yeah. You know, right. Like I knew, you know, what, you know, what lines and what parts were just were, were just hitting on the oh, you know, so I just I let him, I just let him be and uh, let him just kind of take it all in. And that's cool, man. You know, he's like my grand. I talked. You know, I was sitting outside with him for like a good hour after service, and he's like, "Man, he's like my grandma's told me, you know, she's tried to tell me about the Holy Spirit countless times." He's like, "But that was the first time I felt it for myself." So I was like, "Wow, that's uh, one encounter, <laughs> right?" So one yeah, it was uh, it was pretty insane. Yeah, man, twenty seven salvations last night. Yeah, that's so crazy. Man. Yeah, they were they were in the salvation room for a while too. No, they won't let him leave. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a fun time to be a part of uh, God's work. Right. Um, yeah. But he came four years ago, actually. He's like, man, he's like, he's like, Chase is the, is the exact same dude. He's like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's obviously grown. He's like, but he's, his mannerisms, the way he conducts himself, he's the exact same dude. So, um, yeah, I had talked to him actually on Good Friday um, before I came to the Good Friday service here. And um, he's like, oh, he's like, what do you, what do you like about that place? Like, why do you like, why do you keep going? And he's like, you know, when I, when I go, I get kind of like a, an uncomfortable, like irking kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, you're supposed to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like if that's what it is, that's because you're supposed to feel that way. Like that's, that's your sign and what it is. So, wow. um, you know, to go from there, Good Friday, what, you know, two months ago. To then full circle last night. And I didn't even invite him. Jamal didn't invite him. And we, we didn't. Up. We didn't invite him. He posted. He posted on the story. And and uh, Celeste, Celeste invited him. Celeste invited him. Oh yeah, yeah, Celeste man, she's she's racking them all in these days. Mm-hmm. She's in a few people get saved in the past couple months. Right. Yeah. Wow. I just the other person we were sitting next to is another person that she brought to church like three months ago. So mm-hmm. I was like, jeez. So oh, wow, doing it, doing it big. Let's go. Huh. Practical. Practical. Cool. Yeah. I like practical. Can we open up in a word of prayer first? Absolutely. Get into it. Who's praying? Uh, shoot, bro. You want to pray? No. Did you want to pray? Bro. I was just asking because I didn't know if we were going in with the expectation of me leading out in prayer. <laughs> I was praying. I was like, I, I didn't want it to be like five seconds of silence, and y'all look at me, and I don't know. I'm praying. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But I would love, love you to pray. Wow, oh, bro, come on, you hear me pray all the time. I was gonna say, I'd love I, you to pray. Maybe, Ch- maybe Chase can close us out. You know what I mean? How many times am I in a COTM setting? You know what I mean? Y'all are on Tuesdays and Sundays and weekdays and random yeah. sessions and the game. <laughs> Can you boy get a little bit of prayer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, man. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Yes, uh, Lord, you're kind. Thank you for uh, just bringing us here uh, at this table to yes, conversate Lord. about you, Lord, and uh, conversate about ways that we can uh, connect with you deeper, Father, because that's mm. what it's all about, Lord, uh, for us individually to get to know you more, Lord. Mm. So I pray, Father, uh, that you uh, speak through Chase, Lord, you speak through Rudy, you speak through me, and just yes, allow this Jesus. conversation to flow with the Holy Spirit yes, to uh, yes. touch the listeners who are... Um, Seeking you, and they're not seeking us, Lord. So, uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
practicality. Practicality. My, I have a couple of questions, but mine are kind of just like, I don't even want to say all over the place, but they're just, I don't, they're unrelated. If if that makes if that makes sense. They're unrelated to practicality. No, they're unrelated to each other. So oh, just, just a couple of different. And I'm I mean I'm I'm not saying I need to ask all my questions first, but I'm just throwing that out ahead of time before we start. I'd have probably four, three, four questions, and I don't think any of them are really related to one another. So I I think for me, just because uh, what we were talking about on Monday, uh, I think it ties in pretty pretty well about what this episode is going to be about and but I don't really know uh, per se how did you have you been doing soap your your entire walk with the Lord? no no I just started doing soap probably about six months ago really if that yeah I, I really wasn't a journaler so probably about two years ago um I didn't really I, I kind of have a freakish mind where I can usually retain information pretty well, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily understand the benefit of of journaling so much until I right. really started reading the Book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. And when you read Psalms from the perspective of 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 David just writing down and putting ink to paper so many different things that are happening within his life, his season, his context, his journey. Um, it really inspired me, to be honest with you. That was only about two, two and a half years ago. Um, and so I'm, I'm a firm believer that um, without vision, people perish. And sometimes the best way you can have a vision that is focused is to get it down on paper. It's very, very powerful. Um, I think the mind is a beautiful thing. Um, God has created it to have the ability to retain, the ability to recollect, the ability to process, and the ability to ponder. Um, but I think that it's beautiful when you can write things down and make vision plain mm-hmm. and make struggle plain and make emotions plain and begin to process through what you're going through, maybe what your struggle is, maybe what your victories are. Yeah. And you see that all throughout Psalms. In one minute, David opens up with, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. You're like, dog, I love that. And you fast forward to Psalms 20. 23, um, when he's running from his life, when he's running for his life, yeah. smile. <laughs> Fast forward to like Psalms 23, when he when he's running for his life yeah. from 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 Saul, and he and, and he's literally been anointed to be king, and yet he's in this process where he's far from his kingship, and he's mm-hmm. like, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Uh, I love the message: "The Lord is my shepherd; I lack." nothing mm-hmm. though it seemed like everything was going against him he's like as long as i have god i, got I lack nothing yeah. and then he begins to talk about that process like he makes me lie down like god forces me to lay down in green pastures when all i want to do is stand he forces me to lay down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters which represents peace and then you fast forward to to text like psalms 55 where he's still in the struggle he's like i will bless the lord at all Times And then you fast forward to Psalms 139 when he's at the end of his life and he says things like, I once was uh, an old king. Excuse me. I once was a young king and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous go without bread. 
So search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me in all my anxiety. Say, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me the way everlasting. And so what we get is a, is a front row seat in the book of Psalms and honestly the whole narrative of the Bible yeah. to people who are writing down their experiences, yeah. uh, writing down their relationship with God, writing down their struggles, and they're beginning to process through them. And I think it's powerful, man. Uh, I think it's a powerful tool. I think that if we did not have the love letters of the Bible, we, would not, we wouldn't have history. Right. We wouldn't have a knowledge of how of God's character um, outside of obviously the Holy Spirit, which He reveals God. Which that's a, that's a different kind of lane. But even if you look at history, if things weren't written down, we wouldn't be able to have an account of what actually happened historically in, right. in our world. You know, I mean, I was I was raised in private schools. Not to get too far off topic, and they completely dismissed the reality of black history. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to, to us, you know, um, they, I, I was raised in a class where Robert E. Lee was praised. This was the general of the Confederate right. Army, you know what I mean? Yeah. But we have to look at the reality of history through writings. We have to look at the reality of what took place through journaling. And I think journaling um, is a very healthy way for you to deal with reality very, very well. And it's cool because you can't even look back years when you're past that season and look at where you were and see God's faithfulness in your now. And you so that? I love that. Hmm? How often do you do that? Do, you do I journal? In, no. Do you look back in your, in your old journals? Um, well, b- before every year, uh, before I transition into every year, I grab all my old journals and I just see where I'm at. I look at the goals that I made for the year, um, what God did, what, 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 I, what I, by the grace of God, was able to accomplish through his spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really dependent. Um, at the end of every year, I'm going to look back on journals that I journaled on that year, just kind of reflect on where I am. But it's honestly a random process. I love Becca, man, because she, she keeps all of our journals in one spot. Yeah. And so I can grab one whenever I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was even a journal I read that I wrote down four years ago. And I was like, God, I desire to be at the table with great men who were of influence and of affluence and yeah. understand the kingdom. And even seeing four years later, I'm, I'm now sitting around a table with with pastors from all over the world who have come to San Francisco to church plant. I'm like, wow, you answered that prayer. Yeah. Like, and I think at times we forget, we, we, we can forget to thank God for things that we prayed for years ago. And now we're focused on prayers that we're praying now and we miss what he's already done. Mm-hmm. And I think because that's why vision isn't made plain. I think that's why in the book of Exodus, God is so big on making sure that the children of Israel write down what God did. Mm-hmm. And more so they tell their children's children, about Passover. Mm. He's like, this needs to be a historical date in history for you guys. Yeah. Because this was the day that the death angel passed over you and God delivered you and literally sent you into the promised land. And thousands of years later, we go over to Israel, we take a trip, they still celebrate Passover. They still celebrate the history of what God did in that time period. So there's such power in remembrance. Um, there, there's power in, in being reminded of what God has done. I think writing is a huge, huge part of that. And it's also to vent and stuff. And there, there's many facets to it, but I love the remembering side of it and being able to just be organic with God through, through writing. Um, do, when you do journal, are you journaling through thought or like post thought? You know, because like for me, I feel like, you know, when it comes to like prayer, right, you'll hit that channel and it just flows and flows and flows. And, you know, maybe you don't remember all of it. Maybe you do. Right. right. Um, But sometimes I can catch myself trying to write things like, oh, don't don't forget this one and trying to like write it down as I'm going. And then you block 
that kind of flow that you had with the verbal, with the prayer? Yeah, I, I journal really three ways. Um, I journal personally. Uh, so I'll journal through my own personal struggles that I'm having, uh, whether it be in, in, in marriage, um, which our marriage is good, by the way, whether it's, it's marriage, <laughs> whether it's family, whether it's something I'm going through personally, whether it's a struggle that I have with God, uh, whether it's something that I'm struggling with with other people, you know, um, so I have like a personal journal that is like dedicated to me and my relationship with God. The second journal I have is uh, dedicated towards scripture. So I literally have, have just journals a scripture that are dedicated journal. towards books of the Bible. Um, so I got a, a fat one that's really thick where I journaled on pretty much um, every verse that stood out to me in Proverbs. Um, th- those are two journals I have. I have another one in Psalms where I went through every Psalm and took one scripture that stood out in there. And, yeah. And uh, Genesis, now Exodus. And so I'll have journals that are dedicated to me kind of unpacking scripture. Gotcha. Uh, which that's pretty much every morning. It's about five days a week, five yeah. or six days a week. And uh, so that, that's fun. Um, and then the third set of journals I have, I call it the Scratch My Itches journal. Uh, those are just dreams, mm. itches that I want to scratch, things I want to see happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think enough people scratch their itches, man. Yeah. And so if I get like a, <laughs> if I get like a sermon series idea, I'll just like write it down. And throw it in there. there. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I if I get like a, a random thought about vision, I'll write it down in that journal. If mm. I get like this dream and this inspiration for a sermon series, I'll write it down in that journal. If I if I get like a random intro story idea, I'll write it down in that journal. Like gotcha. you know, it's just like the scratch my itches journal stays in my car. So because I'll just be cruising and it stays by my bed too. Um, so I wake up in the middle of the night. Just in case. So yeah, those, that, those are kind of the three ways. So. You mentioned, um, you know, you do, you spend a lot of that time, that journaling time, mostly like in the morning. Yeah. Um, and that was actually one of my first questions, which was like, and I want to ask this the right way because I want to get not, a, I don't want to get a certain answer, but I just feel like I know you a decent amount at this point. So, <laughs> before marriage, what was your morning routine like? It was the same. Same. Okay. It was the same. Um, I, I got an amazing wife, man. Um, and what's cool about the woman that I married is she understands that in order for me to love her well, I got to be connected to the one who loves her the best. And so, and again, my mornings are so early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm up at five pretty much every morning. So she's knocked till usually about 6.30 or 7. Yeah. And so... Um, it really hasn't changed much yeah. since being in marriage, to gotcha. be honest with you. Uh, the way the ministry is run, the way my personal time is spent has drastically changed. <laughs> but Becca knows. Like, there's times where I'm not acting right. Becca's like, you need to wake up and be with Jesus, you know? And I'm like, hey, bro. You know? and so uh, so she, 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 she encourages it, man. She encourages it because it's that time right. that gets me connected to the heart of the one who loves her more than anyone and more than I ever could. And if I could stay connected to the heart of the one who loves her most i'll be able to love her better than i could ever on my own mm-hmm. and so uh yeah she she invites it, but it hasn't changed man it really hasn't changed much um yeah i'm usually up at five gone by like five thirty, and she's sleeping in heavenly peace wake her up give her a kiss she knocks back out mm-hmm. by the time i get back she's usually at work so hmm. <sighs> when you um when you step into the space of kind of counseling somebody on their walk uh-huh. um, and you ask about their intimate time with God, what is the main thing that you're looking for uh, in their response, I guess? Consistency. 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 Um, if someone spends, if someone dedicates just a, a, a simple I'm going to read 
a chapter a day. And I'm going to journal on it, on something that starts me, and I'm going to pray about it. And that takes 10 minutes. If they do that five days a week, you're in, you're, you just dedicated close to 50 minutes to an hour of enhancing your relationship with God. Um, if you do that for a month, you're close to that four-hour category. If you do that for a year, you've just dedicated 45 to 50 hours of time with God. Yeah. If you times 50 times five, you've put hundreds of hours over the course of four or five years to consistently being in the presence of God. Mm. And so when I talk to people, I think at times people can get intimidated by my private time. Right. It's not theirs, though. I'm right. a pastor. Um, I got to dig a little bit deeper because I'm not only carrying the responsibility of myself, but I'm carrying the responsibility of my wife first. And then also a congregation that needs to hear the word of God preached properly, preached truthfully, preached theologically correctly and uh, preached boldly. And, and so the way I'm going to pursue God, it's not only from an intimate standpoint, but it's also very, very practical in preaching and leadership development and content development. And so I think t- at times people will look at me and be like, oh, my God, like I need to wake up at five. And I'm like, no, you actually don't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul actually said in, the, in Romans to pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Uh, uh, Paul was trying to get the church at Rome to understand that your journey with God is actually a journey. Always going, yeah. Like it's, it's continual. You're learning to walk with the Spirit. You're learning that the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit because I think we need a better understanding of Him, um, that, that you being in community with the Holy Spirit, it, it's a relationship. You know, it's not something that uh, you can, it's not something that you can compare my relationship to yours right. or, or, or my relationship to Rudy's. Um, the way I commune with God is going to be different than you boys. It might be slightly similar. We might have some similar tendencies, but the way that God speaks to me is going to be very different than how he speaks to you, which is beautiful because God wants to speak things to you that he would never say to me. Right. Uh, it's the distinctiveness of God and it's beautiful. Um, and so when I talk to people, I'm just like, well, the majority of the people I talk to, well, well, I'm not feeling I'm going to go. Oh, are you reading your Bible? No. Okay, well, let's start there. Are you praying? No. And so it's rare that I come across people who are like, I am actively dedicating a space of time to God, and he just ain't talking. Right, mm-hmm. right. I, I just don't have <laughs> yeah. those conversations. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I'm not feeling God. Well, what are you doing? Pfft. I'm at church. You know what I'm feeling? <laughs> I'm like, well, that, that's yeah. great. That's a start. You know? Um, well, maybe God wants to take you beyond your church experience. Right. You know? And, and so... I look for consistency. And if people can dedicate even just a 10 or 15 minute window a day to just communing with God, meditating, meditating on him, silent, quieting their souls, whether it just be at a lunch in the morning before they go to bed, it does wonders for the soul of a man. And so I think at times we want to like just because, again, we're, we're in a society that 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 praises instantaneous success. We think that our relationship God needs to instantaneously be at a place that a pastor who spends nearly three or four hours a day with him is. And I'm like, look, yo, it's not going to happen. Right. In the same way that I'm not going to walk in the gym with LeBron and have one practice with him. Right. I want to, I want to dunk, you know, it's just, it's just, that's just not going to be reality. Um, but if you're just consistently consistent, it's beautiful. I remember one of the first things Jamal said to me, when we were talking about working on my core, he was like, bro, just do like a, just do, just do a 25 sit-ups a night. It's like 25 sit-ups a night. I ain't going to do nothing. I was like, bro, I was like, bro, I was like, like not even like a hundred. Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah, man, start with 25 sit-ups a night. And I was just like, 
Huh. And then over time, you know, the, the stomach gets flatter. You know, it's just I, I think at times we want we want Rome to be built in a day, and and that's just not going to happen. And so for me, I'm I just really start when I'm talking about people when they're getting to know this God who is so vast, so deep, so wide, so expansive in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You can be intimidated, especially with the Word of God. And I'm like, look, why don't you just start in? Proverbs chapter one. Yeah. Write down what stands out to you and how it applies to you. Pray on it. Move in your day. Why don't you just start in Psalms? Why don't you start in John's gospel? Why don't you just start in Genesis? You right. know, and, and I just even and, and just doing small acts of consistency will lead you to supernatural moments and you won't be where you were. Right. You know, and uh, and and if you even want to up that time, like man, I really want to know God more. I'm gonna do a half hour a day. I mean, right. what's thirty times seven? You know, I mean like that you just Hours are going to be put in, and mm-hmm. you're just going to continue to be sanctified and perfected, and have a better understanding of who God is and who you are. And but I, I also want people to understand that that even though you're being consistent in that, your relationship with God is more than a private time. Yeah, like there's walking with Him, and it's learning to hear the voice of the Spirit, and, and learning to 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 know when He's speaking to you, and 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 it's it's beautiful. But I, I usually ask for, what are you being consistent at? Mm-hmm. What's something in your life that you're making a decision to be actively consistent at? You're going to be actively consistent at your job, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're going to be actively consistent at school, aren't you? You're going to be actively consistent in your relationship, aren't you? Well, it's the same in your relationship with God. Don't ask God for a de- for for a return on a poor deposit. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. God didn't build nature to be that way. Yeah. What you put into the bank, you're going to get out of it. What you put in the soil, you're going to get out of it. And so the principle of the soil is multiplication. What I put in, I get more out. And so at the end of the day, like put more in so you can get more out. Right. So that's my heart ultimately for, for people in their relationship with the Lord. But most of the time when I come across men and women, I just start with, well, have you been reading your Bible? And 95% of the time, no. Well, yeah, I... Okay, let's start there. Yeah. You've been praying I, for, for, my, for my food. Okay. Yeah. And it's blessed. Well, let's start. Maybe it's a little bit more intimate. You know? yeah. and so I, I'm, really big on, I'm really big on consistency, man. Um, and then again, I talked to Jamal about this. If you can be consistent, not for the sake of consistency, right? but if you, be, if wow. you can be consistent yeah. at what is valuable to your life, mm-hmm. that's, that's where it's at, man. What's valuable? That's what being consistent at. My marriage is valuable, so I'm going to be consistent with my wife. So on a day like this morning when my wife looks at me, she's like, baby, you've been grinding for the last two and a half weeks. I need your time. Things are going to get rearranged in my calendar this week because my wife is, my relationship with my wife is worth being consistent at. Right. Like we're going to get date night on the calendar every other week. Because that's worth being consistent at. We're going to have our weekly Sunday night meetings where she tells me things that I need to do better and things that I'm doing well. Because that's worth being consistent at. We're going to make love. You feel me? Because that's worth (laughs) being consistent at. You know, like, I'm going to be consistent at things that matter. And in your relationship with God, if it really matters Mm -hmm. to you, I mean, we could sit here and make it as spiritual as we want to. Right. But let's just be practical. Yeah. If it matters to you, you're going to do it. If, if you want to take care of your body, you're going to go to the gym. Yeah. If you want to grow in God, you're going to spend time with him. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And so I, I just am like, yo, where's the consistency at? And if you're consistent, you'll progress. It's inevitable. Uh, uh, I was sitting down with um, a fitness athlete slash coach of like 15, 20 years, kind of like turned entrepreneur. They, they have their own podcast, um, and they're k- 
killing it, for lack of better words. They're killing it. But um, I was just talking to him practically and just asking him. And I was like, all right, let's take it back to, you know, the root of when you first became this fitness athlete, when you first wanted to bodybuild or when you first wanted to cut and lean out or whatever. How did you balance eating right consistently with all the other things that you had to do just in life, in work, in school, and whatever. And we were talking, you know, from a more like the goal of like, you know, obviously acquiring financial uh, things and stuff like that. And so he just looked at me and he was like, he's like, man, if you want to be a millionaire, there is no such thing as balance. He's like, if you, he's like, the, the, what it comes down to is we all have our priority list And it just so happens that eating right is higher on my list than it is on yours. 100%. So, you know, what you were saying right there just was exactly the same. And you you talked on casual Christianity a little bit last night. And it's just like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, yeah, 100%. But um, there is no such thing as balance. If you want want that relationship, if you want to be as close to him as possible, that – needs to be higher on your priority, as simple as that. Yeah, I I agree. I really do agree with that concept. I I think that people live to try to keep themselves balanced, and and the more I live life, the more I'm realizing how imbalanced it really is. Right. Um, My life is a circus, man. Um, It really is, and I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way, but people live to be like, I just want to be well-balanced. I want a little bit of this, (laughs) a little bit, and I'm just like, (laughs) bruh, I I just feel like that's the key to mediocrity. Um, And and, and I love people who throw themselves in fully to what they feel they're born, created, and destined to do. And and I'm all into that, man. Like, I'm not, I don't want a balanced marriage. I want a great marriage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I I don't want it to be balanced from the standpoint of like, oh man, you know, we're, 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 when I think of balance, I think of something that's even keel and sustained. Uh, but I want my I want my emergency scaling up, up, yeah. I want scaling up, and so it, you know, and, and so there's gonna have to be some imbalances there, and there will be moments where even in my relationship with Becca, where do we are thriving, and there's gonna be other seasons where we're gonna have to rearrange some things so we can get back to where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree with that guy for sure. I think balance is good. I would never be like be in balance, like right. you know, be off the rail. Uh, but I, I think that. I think being balanced is an excuse to live safe. Yeah. And in, in today's terms, I think it's an excuse to live safe and safety isn't of God. It's not in the Bible. It's not at all. So, so right. then how do you uh, maneuver in, in, in public without walking into a building and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, like, I'm the bishop. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, be- because obviously, like, you know, he's he's going to flow through us and he's going to yeah. go with us no matter where we are and not every environment is ready to, right, that, right. Yeah, and so how do you, um, how do you maneuver in that? Um It's kind of a vague yeah, question. That's a great question. But, I'm probably different than a Christian because uh, men, Men usually start with what you do, and then I hate going there instantaneously. Yeah, and that's usually where I have to go. Like, yeah, I'm a pastor, and there's instantly like, and then the conversation know, just changes. And then, and then right it just changes instantly. <laughs> um, like, even like these guys, dude. I, I went fishing with my boy who works at Coyote Bait and Tackle Shop not too long ago. He found out I was a pastor on the boat. Okay, he's like, you're a pastor. Like, yeah, bro, yeah, preaching the word, you know. Um, and you're out uh, in water, like, so he can't like, come back to shore. You know, you want to swim back? You know, walk on water. We can do it together, you know. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. How do you maneuver, dude? I say all the time that um, that the, the the best representation 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a message that you preach, but a life that you live. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the most attractive thing about Christians is seeing a dude or Mm -hmm. a woman who is uh, normal, who is culturally relevant, Mm -hmm. um, who is who actually loves and cares about humanity. Yeah. Uh, who is who is um, who is secure in themselves? Mm-hmm. Who actually knows why they believe what they believe? Who can be open to having conversations about religions and belief systems that are different? Yeah, um, I think that that's attractive, and and I think at times um, when I, when I'm going into settings that are not conducive with my faith, um, or I'm walking into settings that aren't reflective of my faith. I just want to be true to me, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, I'm wild. I love life. I love people. Yeah. I'm going to make jokes. At times, I might be slightly inappropriate, um, but that's how God made me to be. Uh, right. That's who I am, uh, and, and, and it's amazing how you can tell in maybe 10 minutes yeah. of authentically talking to someone where they're at in life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just by me being me, I mean, I talked to someone for 10 minutes. He's launching like 20 F-bombs. Yeah. And in one setting, I don't cuss at all. The Sunday's like, bro, you you haven't, you don't cuss at all. Bro. Yeah. Why? <laughs> oh, well. There's, there's other words, but. I'm like, I'm a little pot, you know. Um, but uh, but it, and all of a sudden, it, it leads to that. And, and I probably saw that the most at San Jose State. That's probably where I was the most intimidated in my faith. Yeah. And I remember, man, just kind of. You know, crying in my room one night because I was trying to live pure and there were women everywhere and, and I was trying to live godly and people were going out every weekend and getting lit and even during the weekdays sex and weekdays going in. I'm like, yo, Lord, what the like, come on, I need help. Yeah. And uh I remember the Lord dropped that song in my spirit and I sang it by myself. Um it's one of those times that you you're really thankful that no one's around. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And, and God just said, son, let your light shine before men and I'll do the rest. And I saw so many of my friends get saved that year, mm. not because I was doing, but because I was being. Yeah. And they saw something in my life that was just attractive and they knew that they wanted it. Yeah. Uh, I, I always hated those church services, man, because I didn't believe the guy that was saying it, to be honest with you. That's really what it came down to. But out of past, you'd always say, like, man, you should be Jesus with skin on. I just I, even like that. Even the thought of that makes yeah. me feel weird. I, I just you'll <laughs> never hear me say that from the pulpit. It's the wacky Jesus with skin on. I'm like Jesus had skin. Yeah, I just it just doesn't make it's just, <laughs> he had skin it just, of his he own. He had his own yeah. skin, actually. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. It. I know what they're saying, but it bothered me. But he would say, the pastor would continue to say, like, dude, you should live such a faith that people should look at you and say, I want I want what you got. And I remember my roommate, Herbert Whitehurst III, God bless you wherever you are. He, he, he literally told me, man, right a week before I was getting ready to leave state and go into ministry, he was like, he literally said on our bedroom, on our dorm room floor, like, dog, I want what you got. Lead me to Jesus. Like, I've watched you for a year and I want what you got. And I think at times people try to minister without relationship capital. Yeah. And how are you going to reach someone? Like you don't even know me. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and that's why even for us, I think the reason why our, our community has grown so much is because people aren't bringing people randomly on the streets, even though I think we're called to do that. Right. Like I'm, I'm down to get the baristas in church. I believe in the power of invitation, but like, it's really just people you know and yeah. you do life with. Like Encounters grown because we bring our, our brothers, our sisters, our families, our cousins, our nieces, our, 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 our nephews, our, our aunts, our uncles, our friends yeah. to the house of God right. because they're seeing a change. Yeah. And, and so at the end of the day, if people aren't able to see it, it's hard to taste it. Right. 
And, and the Bible's kind of funny because in Psalms, David says, taste and see that I'm taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't say see and taste. Right. You know, and so the world is not going to be able to 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 taste and see. They're going to have to first see it and then be like, this is different. I think mm. I'm ready to taste it for myself, even though it's manufactured in a way that I didn't think. And, and so for the Christian, our job and our calling is to ultimately just be light. Even if, we, if you look at the first century church, like what they did is they, they were the ones who started hospitals. They were the ones who started orphanages. The Jeez. Romans were literally throwing out babies into the streets who were girls, who were deformed. And the Christians were going in, picking them up and starting a new form of adoption that the Roman government didn't even understand. And so then Caesar is writing like, who are these Christians taking in these deformed right. or female babies that aren't beneficial to our empire? Mm. And they're taking them in without even being asked, without remorse. And it's not just raising yeah. them as their own kids, raising them in Jesus. And, and that, to me, is the gospel on full display. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It's not about doing. It's about just being. Wow. And then from that point on, people will begin to catch, like, well, maybe there is something different. Maybe there is a God. Maybe there is a higher way of living. And maybe this Jesus guy is actually who he says he is. Right. And so for, for me, I walk into settings not with the expectation of saving the building, I walk in the. I walk in with the expectation of like I'm just going to be a light, and it's dark in here. Mm. Wow! And darkness always can acknowledge light. Yeah, light doesn't have to acknowledge. It makes darkness. the light even brighter. You anything. feel me? Yeah. And so if, if if my focus is on just being light, darkness will see it. Right. Like like when a light's on in darkness, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to like search right. out the light. The light's just there. Right. And so my job, I'm just here. And it leads to conversations that I never thought I would have with people I never thought I would have. And I mean, yeah. even, you know, recently the CEO of Shoe Palace, like, just being light. Yeah. You know, and he's like, there's, I got a lot, something different about y'all. Well, yeah, just being light. Yeah. And so I, I think at times we overthink it. And the Christians who go into atmospheres trying to be more than they're supposed to be, they're the ones who usually give us a bad look. Right. Like, like Jesus would just go into places and he would just be who he was. Correct. Like, he didn't heal to prove he was the healer. He healed because he was the healer. Mm -hmm. And he started getting upset with the religious leaders when they wanted him to do miracles to prove who he was. Right. He's like, I'm not here to prove anything. I'm here to be. And and I think that when we get in the, I need to prove that I am a Christian. You go beyond yourself. You go completely beyond yourself. And I would say even more so, you step out of adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need to prove anything. It's, It's already been proven. So just be who you are yeah. and let the chips fall where they may. And people will people will see. Yeah. I mean, even the Bible, man, in Matthew's gospel, he says, let them see your good works so they glorify your father in heaven. Yeah. And they'll see your good works and be like, freak, this is supernatural. This is this is different. Yeah. You know, it's like your boy that you were talking to. He's seeing something in you. You're right. not out here like, hey, I mean, you're having conversations. Right. But you're not out here telling you telling them, like, look, homeboy, you about to burn in hell. Like, I'm worried <laughs> about your soul. Like, dog, I've, re- I've been reading my Bible and you are going to hell. You about to be crispy, man. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fearful. <laughs> you're just like, you're just allowing God to work on you, Rudy. And you're growing. And he's just watching you like, I'm seeing good works in him. Mm. And unbeknownst to him, he's giving glory to God for that. Maybe God has that for me. And that's just what it's about, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, and so I guess even, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the so so-called Christians that do give us a bad look. Yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> so how do we 
almost like deflect that you know image and and so even so even for perfect example before we came to FCC we were at Cathedral of Faith on Wednesday nights Pastor Mike always talked about um, you might not agree with the president or who's in that chair or so on and so forth, but it's our obligation to pray for him, to pray for our country, so on and so forth. So obviously, though, the president has plenty of Christians in his cabinet that are not only um, behind what he's doing, but supporting and enabling and, you know, so on and so forth. So how do we... Like, how do we deflect that image? Like, you know what I'm saying? Technically, Trump is uh, a Christian's president. Um, Scary to think about, man. Right? And so I think people look at how he conducts himself. And obviously, we have Christians around the world being persecuted for being Christians. We have Christians around the world that are persecuting others for not being Christians. Um, And I think... That might be the reason why we haven't really gone into religion on our podcast. Um, not that it's not important, but I think it's just not the starting point. Right. Um, it's not the root of what really like matters in it. So I don't. That this wasn't even one of my questions, but like, how do we? I don't know how we even. We just just be ourselves, right? It's the same thing you were just saying, right? Yeah. Don't don't even go beyond yourself. You got to do what you got to do. You got to conduct yourself the way you got to conduct yourself, and the rest will will take care of itself. But you know, I know that there's a lot of people that get detoured, or um, I don't even know the right word, but basically they don't even want to go towards Christianity because they see, you know, what I'm saying the way certain Christians conduct themselves, and uh, you know, they just it's the stigma, right? right. Uh, how do we? break that stigma i think you just answered it um no that's a great question i I actually never thought about that the that's really good um even that whole perspective of trump being a christian and having a christian cabinet and if this is what a christian is i don't know if i want to be it i was like wow (laughs) that's really good i mean the leader of the free world Um, yeah yeah dude that's a great question um a couple things come to my mind immediately. I wish I had a little bit more time to think about it. Um, and we can honestly, we can even come back to that because I think that question is worthy enough of answering that's it a seg- in, in, in its, that's a in its um, full deliverance, uh, 100%. I think I would lightly attack it, though, with with a, a couple of things. Um, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that there are misrepresentatives of every everything, every religion, every business, Every entertainment industry right. has misrepresentatives that give give whatever something was originally created to be a bad name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can look at hip hop; it has some misrepresentatives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, we can just start there. And so, there, there, there's hypocrisy in everything. Yeah. So there's going to be hypocrisy in the church. Um, there, there's 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 hypocrisy. In, in literally everything that exists. So that, that's going to creep into the church because, um, you know, regretfully so, we do have men who have wrong intentions. Yeah. And that's why I think Paul in Philippians chapter 1 makes it very, very evident as he's in chains. Like you got people who are preaching the gospel for a lot of different reasons. Mm. Uh, some people are preaching it so I'll actually stay in prison. That's, that sucks. Uh, some people are preaching it for personal gain. Um, but... Paul, in regards to the gospel, says, but I rejoice in my chains because Jesus is being preached. 
Because I think I think Paul had this understanding, and I think that we as Christians need to have this understanding, and I think eventually the world will catch on to it as, as time goes on, is that man needs the gospel. The gospel doesn't need man. Right. And so even when the message of Jesus isn't preached the way that it should be preached, the Holy Spirit is going to captivate a heart and an imagination and a mind in a way that is beyond even the frailty yeah. of the man that's delivering the message. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and so with a guy like Trump, uh, our president, um, I, I know men of God who stepped off his board, like Dr. A.R. Bernard, who's the man. He, he stepped off the board because it was just a line for him where he was like, this guy's doing so much stuff on the opposite side of scripture mm-hmm. that I just can't co-sign it. I just can't. And Dr. A.R. Bernard was on his cabinet and ended up right. stepping down after some decisions that Trump moved forward with. I, I, I would say secondly, in regards to President Trump and in regards to Christians who even co-sign him, that Jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples, not by your ability to lead, not by your ability to stand for me, not by your ability to do miracles, not by your ability to heal, not by your ability to communicate, to preach, to make money. He said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Mm. And whenever I see someone in a high leadership position who is lacking the love of Jesus and isn't encouraging a society as a whole to embrace, regardless of belief, tradition, culture, um, how you were raised by your parents. When I see that, um, I don't know if I can fully get behind the fact that they really belong to God as much as they say they do. Yeah. Um, And so God's very clear. They'll know that you're mine by, by your love. And when love isn't at the forefront, when agape isn't at the forefront, um, it, it it gives God a bad look. And President Trump, I hope he hears this podcast, he's going to have to give an account <laughs> for that one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. He's going he's gonna to have to give an account for that one day. I mean, you can't just hop up and call a bunch of black dudes sons of bitches because they won't take it because they're taking a knee during the national anthem. Like, right. You're, ju- you're just going to have to give an account for that one day, boss. And you're mm-hmm. going to. I know you're a CEO, but one day you're going to sit down with the CEO of creation and you're going to have to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And even those Christian pastors, God bless their hearts, who are in their cabinets, who are probably trying to help. Yeah, yeah. they're just um, hands tied. Uh, who probably got their hands tied in some ways. Uh, I got grace for those guys, but I, I, I really, I even have a, a slight concern in my spirit with that because I think that you need to... I know that for me as a pastor, my job is not to protect the name of a of a of a of a, of a leader, of a CEO, of a business person, even of a president or a king or a ruler. My job is to protect the fame, the reputation, and the and the and the uh, the way people perceive Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start throwing Jesus into stuff, man, that he's not called to be thrown into, it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, and so. Uh, I appreciated Dr. A.R. Bernard's approach. He went on CNN and had a really good conversation, um, and he handled it very well. Yeah, he, he, dude, he did it well. A.R. Bernard, the man. That's the largest church in New York, like 30,000 people. <laughs> and um, he handled that extremely well, and he stepped down. Um, and I know other ministers who did as well, but I, I, but I also think on the other side that you know, the pastor at a cathedral said said that very well. Um, we're called to pray for our leaders. 
And so that is another side of it. And so my prayer for those pastors who remained on the cabinet is that they would keep Trump in prayer, that they want to give up on him in the same way that we want to give up on the next man who's trying to find God. Right. You know, right. so there's a balance to it. There's a balance to it. But the Bible's clear that to whom much is given, much is required. And when you're the leader of the free world, you're just going to be looked at differently. Yeah. That's just what it is. And and so I would expect more out of the leader of a leader of the free world than I would out of uh, someone who walks into my doors on a Tuesday night who, who might be just working a, a regular job. Right. Um, there's an expectation that comes with platform because you're the reflection of the people. And uh, when you co-sign God's name on things, it gets foggy. But that happened with Barack Obama as well. Right. His pastor was... <laughs> he claimed was a little wild as well. People didn't talk about that as much. So there's always going to be a story. It is what it is. Yeah. I was looking in there. I was looking for something I had read. I don't remember. It was in the New Testament. And it was talking about deceivers and how if you um, allow them into into your house, you're partaking in their unrighteousness. And uh, I don't know if you'd actually know where that is. But it, it was interesting to me because I was, I was scratching my head about it. And I was like, well... Uh, aren't we not called to treat them the same as we would treat anybody else? Do you know exactly what, where the verse is? No. We can go. We can find it. Go in the. Uh, you can go in the Bible app. Type in a couple words. It might. It should be able do to you know, find do it. Do you know where it was? Mm. Like the book. Yeah. Not being welcomed in the house of God. I just typed in deceivers not being welcomed in God's house. <laughs> uh, mm. I'm talking about Second John. Yeah. Second John one. Deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the deceivers. And watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full, full reward. Mm. What? No. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth just as the yes. Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning. His commands is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ is not of God. Whoever continues in the teaching is both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them, share Shares in their wicked work. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. That's good, John. Instead, I hope that. <laughs> That's good, John. That's good. good. Um, so the, the context of that passage, man, when it's referring to workers of evil, it's not referring to people that are struggling. It's referring to people who are claiming to be something that they're not. That, 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 that reference is false teachers, which they're all over the church. I met one yesterday. Wow. Um, yeah, no, literally yesterday. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him know that when we go to coffee in two weeks. Um, 
So, so when he's saying when you meet people who are not caring what what we have, he's saying be careful that you surround yourself who are claiming the name of Jesus, but they're surrounding it with philosophies and belief systems that are not that are not a compl- that are not completely attached to the Son's work. He's like you don't want to intermingle with those people. He's like you don't want to intermingle with those people not because you don't want to have hope for their salvation, but bad company corrupts good character. You yeah. could easily forget who you are and fall into something that you've worked hard for. Um, and I and I think at times. Um, Uh, I got to be careful. Um, there are there are lines. You're responsible for your salvation first. You're not responsible for the salvation of someone else. Only God can bring change. Only God can burn a heart. Only God can open up eyes. Um, and I think what John is saying in this passage is he's trying to get people to understand that there will be people who come into the church with them, which is a message that is not truthful. And uh, what we're doing in Encounter is very unique to the Bay Area. And I've had a lot of guys ask me about preaching on that platform. And uh, I'm very protective of it because what we have is a message that is true. Rightfully so. And, um, and when you let someone in who has jaded intentions and... And is critical and doesn't fully believe in the love. Because the first thing John is addressing is don't forget the love that we have for people. And uh, when you let people into a space that they should never be in, um, easily that momentum can be shifted and taken away very quickly. And there's certain people, dude, who have who are in this valley just straight up that I don't I don't I don't deal with. Mm. We're just tracking down two different lengths. We're 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 both in the church, but we're preaching two very different messages. There's certain people I don't even I don't even love. I'm just like, no, I'm good off that. Now, if they wanted to sit down and have a conversation and debate, like I'd, I'd be keen. But there's even pastors in this valley right now um, that I, I, I uh, that I don't. We're just not doing the same thing. Yeah. And you sense it. You sense it in their conversation. Um, you just sense that there's not a genuine love for people. There's not a genuine love for the church. And I would even say there's not a genuine love for God. And and those are the people that I'm just not going to really even give my time to or invest in at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd much, much rather go after the lost and people who are broken and be mended and be around authenticity. Um, so yeah, it, that, 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 that perspective is leadership. That perspective is sheep and uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. It's addressing false teachers. And even all throughout the narrative, Paul's like, stay away from these false teachers. You know, they're preaching something that we're not. Mm. They're going down the lane that we're not going down. Be weary of them. And there's false teachers today. And he's very clear. He's like, if they are not preaching the message of Jesus, if they're not declaring our message, breathe, stretch, shake, let it go. Even then, obviously, you know, Chase has a different responsibility from us. Um, But even in that, in our own walk, um, we're able to sift and decipher for ourselves whether we think this person has true intentions or not. But I remember when we were... Back when we were having the conversation about my Muslim coworker, I love that, and we were trying to figure out like where you know, like there's no way that she's not saved. She led me back to Christ in her prayer. I went back to church and received a message on prayer, and so on and so forth. So if my heart is big enough to ache for her, isn't the Lord's, and you know, so on and so forth. And I don't remember exactly which reference, which verse it was, um, but it talked about. Um, those that deceive are judged by 
you know, that and the people that have been deceived are not judged according to the manner that they've been deceived anyway. So even if it was somebody that was new in their walk, they went to a church and that person and was a false teacher, that new follower would not be able to decipher for themselves one way or the other, and they would not be judged according. Um, so it would be the teacher would be judged by the way, the manner in which he deceived, yeah, at bro. the measure that he deceived, but yep. the follower would not be. That's Bible. And there's even there's even points in the Bible where people are so quick, and, and Paul addresses it in the book of Romans, but people are so quick to be like, well, what about the person who's never heard about Jesus? Right. And, and, and they're in Africa. Are they going to hell? And, and, and God is very clear. Like, I don't think people realize that God is a judge and God is good. Yeah. And even says in the book of Romans that people who have never heard the message of Christ will be judged to the measure of how they serve the God that they believe in according to where they were in life and so like i think heaven's gonna be a funny place i think we're gonna yeah. be low-key shocked yeah at, at how good god actually is i i think we're gonna be shocked um that's why god puts such emphasis on on guys like me who step into teaching right he's like you're gonna be judged differently not only in the eyes of man but there's a responsibility that you have to decree and declare this message right. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Jesus said to the 12 disciples, they were like stuck on the fact of like, oh, man, we get to walk with Jesus. We get to be revealed the mysteries <laughs> yeah. of heaven. He's like, and he's just like, do you guys understand like the, the what cost that means? Of, yeah. Like, the 12, you don't even know you're going to die for this thing. Like, do you know the cost of, of actually being able to preach this Bible? It sounds great. I was watching the movie Miracle the other day, dude. With uh, the story of the U.S. hockey team, yeah. I think it was in the 70, the 70, 82 games. Yeah. It was the 82 oh. games. I don't know. And uh, But it's a great movie, dude. Great movie. And there's a moment where they pick the 26 players. Um, they, they pick the 26 players to basically make the cut. Make to the last the practice. Yeah. And, like, the first thing, like, the coach says, he's like, he's like, don't get too happy, gentlemen. They got off easy. And, and I just thought, I'm like, man, I feel like that sometimes. <laughs> like, like, like like other people, you know, when you step into a leadership teaching, God, I, I have to live with the reality. <laughs> so yeah. I have to live with the reality as a minister of Jesus that the God that I introduce people to is the God that they're going to believe in. Yeah. Uh, and that that's scary, bro. And so that's where, honestly, mm. you, you see... When Jesus says that there will be people in the last days who say, but God, I casted out demons in your name. God, I prophesied in your name. I'm practical. I'm like, yo, what what person who isn't a leader is trying to prophesy and cast out demons? Right. Like in my mind, those are like pastors and elders. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but God, wait, wait, wait. I, 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 I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied and never knew you, boss. You were preaching something that was so... Mm. Not even who I am, and so I have to live with that weight. I have to live with that tension weekly, and it's a it's a good weight. I don't feel condemned or weird about it. I used to overthink it, but I do have to live with the reality that that man. I want to introduce people to the purest form of Jesus to right. the best of my ability, and uh, and in order to do that, I got to know him. Yeah. So um, yeah, and there's a lot of pastors out there, man, and. Uh, <laughs> They're doing what they do for some pretty funky reasons, mm-hmm. and they've misled some really good, genuine people. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a hard conversation on game day. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good point. <clears throat> so this one is going to be for probably just a lot of people our age. Some of them still live with their parents. Some of them don't. 
Either way, I think generationally, it's hard for the generations before us to understand us. It's hard for us to understand them. Uh, And it's been that way since time has repeated itself. And so the practical question that I have in that sense, you know, because the word says to honor our parents, not when they're at their best or at their worst, but to just honor them. So me personally... Me and my parents are extremely close in age, so close that we practically grew up together. We matured together. I got to see them growing up from 16 to now in their 40s where they're at. And, um, that's cool, you know. And it took a lot of my family to raise me individually. Uh, Everybody played their part from my grandparents picking me up, taking me to practice to, you know, so that my parents could work, they could do their thing and stuff like that. Um, and fortunately, I was an only parent or only child and only grandchild on both sides in, until I was a freshman. Exactly. So I had all of the love and effort from everybody. Oh, man. But that also in my growth and in my maturity, um, it hasn't led to resentment in any way, but it has allowed me to really see uh, my parents for who they are and not just who they tell me uh, that they are. And so obviously I have questions of my own. I have, you know, things and, and challenges of my own. And so, you know, for example, me and my mother are so close. We're like, if you met my mom, you'd know exactly why I am the way that I am, basically. Wow. And so... But because we know each other so well, we know what gets under each other's skin. We know what bothers each other. We know how to, even though I don't want to get under her skin, when emotions and tempers flare and things like that, it's like, I don't want to say it's secondhand nature, but it happens. You know what I'm saying? And so my question, because some people still have to live with their parents out of financial stress of being in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't, but... Uh, some people have great relationships with their parents, and even in those great relationships, there's still a lot of pain and turmoil and things that have happened to get to that point. So I guess my all wrap-up question for that idea is how do we honor something that we don't necessarily always agree with um, in the context of our parents, not in you know the grand scheme of things? Are we talking from a, a Christian perspective or a worldly perspective? Well... Christian perspective. Yeah. Christian perspective. Yeah, this is COTM, right? Yeah. Yes. Cool. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't know. An hour and five minutes in. No, this is where we're at. Has it been an hour? Wow. Um, so, so we have to define honor. Um, to, to honor means to have high respect or to esteem. Um, and the problem with our parents as we get older is it's, high, it's difficult to highly respect and esteem certain areas of life that we don't disagree with. Excuse me, that we don't agree with. Right. Uh, how do I highly esteem and highly respect something that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's probably the most difficult with, with kids who have parents that are Christians mm. specifically is that you can catch maybe hypocritical 
tendencies inside of them that can become infuriating because you're saying something with your mouth that you're not living and then it gets Mm -hmm. into blame and then it gets into high emotional conversations and you aren't this and you weren't this and you're actually not living this way and it can be difficult man because again whenever you put God's name on something the expectation is to live like him and when you place God's name on something that isn't God And now all of a sudden your son or your daughter is no longer young and naive, but they're actually mature and they're developing their own relationship with God. And they're seeing seeing these consistencies in you that don't align with the word of God. And yet you're saying that it it does. Things can get foggy and there can be tension. Um, The Bible is very clear. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. (laughs) Um, It's just the right thing to do. And so... My, my my duty as a son is to honor and esteem my parents for the areas that they have done things right and they have done good. And God has allowed fruit to be produced in the innermost spaces of their hearts and lives. Um, that's my job. That's my duty. That's my calling by God. Now, how I handle the areas that aren't so great is 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 it's honestly um it's it's multifaceted um and so i'm gonna do my best to explain this when i've had women get pregnant and encounter out of wedlock numerous times mm-hmm. it's happened more than i can count you know a girl she gets in a relationship she's pregnant she comes to the altars i'm having a baby and every time they've done that i said you know what god is good mm-hmm. we're gonna figure this out we're gonna get through it i got a phone call from my father at five in the morning a little over four years ago and he said your sister's pregnant i thought i saw my older sister cassie that i don't talk to and i was like oh shoot that's wild. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, my Cassie's in the world. He said, no, I'm talking about Brittany. Mm-hmm. And my stomach dropped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Brittany's pregnant? And uh, ended up having a one-night stand because she got it out of a six-month engagement. And I was bitter towards my sister for the majority of her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And my sister asked me, she's like, Chase, why can you be so gracious to your congregation? Yeah, not to me. But to your own blood, you can't let this go. And I had to sit down. I really had to process through my emotions. That's a great question. Why can I handle the issues in others, but I can't handle the issues in my parents? Why can I I handle the issues in people I don't know personally rather than handling the issues in people that I do know personally? Should be like almost the other way. Should be, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I had to really kind of get down to the nitty gritty of the the why. Why is it so difficult? and why it's so difficult is exactly what you said, Rudy, is because you know someone so well. And when you know someone so well, it's more difficult to love them because you know all that comes with them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's much easier to love from a distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when love becomes personal, you really get the opportunity to love like God loves. Yeah, because it can hurt. Exactly. Freak. And so with our families, most issues aren't ridiculous right. in comparison to the next right. man. Right. Um, but to me, they're blown up out of proportion because it's so overwhelmingly personal. And true love is given 
and is best represented when it's undeserved. Mm. And when I feel like my parents in certain areas of their lives don't deserve Mm. to have my respect and my esteem, they don't deserve to have my honor, they don't deserve to have my respect, they don't deserve to have my, my exaltation. Yeah. That's the moment where I have to look in the face of God who knows every sin that I've done. Mm-hmm. And while I was still his enemy, according to Romans 5, and he gave up his life for me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's like, actually, this is an opportunity for you to be like me. Yeah. And so when people say these things about their parents and their unwillingness to step into a deeper place of love, what's really taking place beneath the surface, in my opinion, is that God is giving them an opportunity to be like him. Yeah. Yeah. Can you love even when it's not safe? Mm-hmm. Can you love even when there's no change? Can you love even in your parents' lack? Can you love even when they were wrong? Can you still esteem the innermost parts of who they are? When you didn't get what you thought you deserved. Right. And that's where love is actually expressed. And that's where love is actually challenged. So I can love a congregant and be like, oh, I love you. I'm for you. Yeah, you got pregnant. Let me pray for you. But when it's my sister in my own blood who went to college, had a good father, was engaged, had a one night stand. As I now having a baby, it's personal. Why? Because it's reflective of me. Yeah. It's an extension of me. Mm. And what people don't understand is that when you are not choosing to forgive and when you are not choosing to love, you unconsciously are taking on the very thing and the very parts of your parents that you actually don't want because you're operating in the very methods that they use to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. Like the moment that that I started, when I forgave, the moment that I forgave my father, Mm -hmm. For his anger, for the physical and emotional abuse that took place was the moment that I was liberated from it. Right. Because the very thing that I wasn't willing to release was the very thing that I was slowly becoming. Mm. Wow. Like my dad was always angry. He was always angry. And then all of a sudden I was always angry. And then it just started bottling. And it just started. The very struggle that he had, I had. And the remedy was to not work harder to not become it. Yeah. The remedy was to love in the midst of it mm-hmm. and to be like, you know what, Dad? Even though you weren't this, you were this. And this is what I said last night. And this is the mind-blowing thing that God's been showing me about my parents because my parents weren't perfect. God told me one, one morning when I was journaling. He's like, son, so, so kindly. He's like, son, you need to stop getting upset at your parents for them not being able to give them everything that you, everything that you think that you needed. Because by them not being able to give you perfect love, you found perfect love in me. Right. And so what my parents did not give me, I have in God. Yeah. What my parents did not provide for me is provided in God. And so if I have the abundance of overflow of love from God, how could I not see the goodness of God and see my parents through the lenses of himself? Yeah. And so my encouragement would be to young people who are struggling with their parents. Welcome to every kid. Right. Like we all struggle with our parents. I was born and raised in the church. I had great parents. Still got mad at them for crap. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are a Christian and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, your father 
will put true love to the test by asking you to love in a way that is beyond the beyond a natural love that you have. It's spiritual. And uh, and so it's normal. Um, but again, I think the church does a really, really good job at loving people that we don't know, but it's harder to love people that we do. And um, and your family um, is supposed to be something for you. They're supposed to be there for you. And sometimes when you step into generational chaos, like a divorce or a father who was not there or lack or financial issues or fighting or emotional abuse, physical abuse in the home, it's easy to point the finger and be like, you weren't this for me. But usually just ask your mom and your dad what their upbringing was like. You'll be shocked. Right. Trace it. Yeah. Like, don't make it personal. Trace it. Be like, well, what was your upbringing like? What Mm -hmm. did you go through? You know, my father did one hell of a job with me. He really did. He did an amazing, amazing job with me. But my father saw my grandmother beaten by another man at 11 years old, almost to the point of death. Mm -hmm. My dad saw my mother raped or heard my grandmother being raped in the bedroom when he was nine years old. My father saw my grandmother uh, get drunk to the point where she would physically abuse him. My, my dad saw my, my, my grandmother die from cancer because of smoking cigarettes. My dad saw things in his upbringing that I didn't even experience or even know or even have the ability to understand. Yeah. And he broke the curse through ultimately God and, and, and stepping into that new adopted sonship. But like my grandfather, Lacey, he didn't even take on, I was supposed to be a Lacey, but my dad didn't take on his dad's name. He took on my grandmother's name, which is Wiggins. My, gra- my grandpa, Lacey, was a pimp. He pimped my grandmother at 16 and got her pregnant with my dad. And that's where he came from, you know, mm. you feel me? Yeah. And that's gonna come with baggage right. and background that I'm not gonna be able to fully understand. Correct. And so when I have the whole story and when I have a context of what actually took place, it'll give me a better understanding. But what's beautiful is I would hear my dad almost every morning calling God. Like he doesn't, he rarely calls my God, God. He usually calls him dad. Yeah. Because that's what he needed. Right. And so all that stuff happening to my dad forced him to find a love from the heavenly father in a way that he could never have from another human. And so and so in the same way, my father and my mother, they were good to me, but they weren't perfect. And in the areas that were lacking, I found that affirmation through God. And so now I can't honor them and esteem them because everything I have is in Jesus. Right. And if everything I have is in Jesus, why can't I honor and esteem and respect the people that God has placed in my life to raise me? Right. And, and so at the end of the day, it's not that we it's not that we don't lovingly disagree on some areas. I mean, as you get older, you start having conversations with your parents, even me and my parents. We've talked about things even recently. I'm like, mom, I don't get that. Mm -hmm. And we have respectful, honorable, and esteemed conversations. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I am not their parent. I'm their son. So I'm always going to stay in that lane. Like, yeah, I'll give you my opinion, but I'm not here to rule over you. And I'm not here to act like I know more than you do. Like, this Mm -hmm. is how I feel. And we talk and we move forward. But I've never been in a space in my life where I've more highly honored and esteemed my parents. And it's ultimately because everything they did not give me, God has given me. And most kids, they focus on everything their parents weren't. Right. And when you do that, you're always going to look at everything they're not. And uh, and you're not going to be able to uh, fully see them as God sees them. 
Mm. And so uh, I'm loved perfectly already. So I don't need to be perfectly loved by my parents. Is mm. if they have the ability to anyway. Right. I was saying last night from the pool, but I'm going to fail with my babies, 100%. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, um, my, my job and my calling is to obey my parents, to honor my parents, because it's right. It's right. And I think that this probably took place in closing the most when I watched my wife walk her, have her father walk her down the aisle. Mm. Uh, my, my, my wife's father was not there in her upbringing at all. And, uh, yeah, just left the house at 11. He's not present. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, with situations like that, it could have been easily justifiable to say, oh, well, he doesn't deserve to walk me down the aisle, right? And, so, and, he, and, he, and he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. My wife would cry. My, my wife has cried darn near every Father's Day. And she told me, she's like, I've realized on Father's Day that the best gift I could give my dad is the gift of him being alone. And I thought, dang, like that's where it's at. And then mm. wedding season comes around, and and <laughs> and she was just planning on having her mom walk her down the aisle. And then God spoke to her, and he said, baby, honor your father. Mm. And uh, that was a moment where I was probably most proud of the woman that I married. Yeah. Because she went beyond what was normal yeah. and gave a man something he didn't deserve. And is that not what God does for us? Right. Mm-hmm. Does he not give us things that we don't deserve? Yeah. And, uh, hmm. and he walked her down the aisle and I've already seen the bridge of that relationship begin to take place since then. He was in our home two weeks ago for over an hour, just came over and, went, and I'm just like, I'm like Becca, she's like only God. Hmm. And so love works best in areas that it's needed. Yeah. Like, love works best in areas that it's needed. And when people don't give love when it's needed, and they give it when it's deserved, that, that, that's easy. Even the pagans do that. Even people, I'll love you if you treat me right. But when you love people when they don't treat you right, that's the opportunity to, to tap into the love of God because that's what he does. And so I would really encourage people out there who were, who were going through that to be challenged, not by me, not, not by another man or another woman, but be challenged by the love that Jesus gave. Yeah. And you'll get a little glimpse and a little taste of what it means to love. Oh, I'm going to hang on a cross naked with nails in my hands, nails in my feet, a crown of thorns on my head as the creator of the creation that is mocking me and nailing me to a cross and be so in tune with my identity and the heart of my dad that I can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. That's love. That's our message. That's the gospel. And my pain is an opportunity to tap into that. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Jeez. Kind of a long response. But no, but that's completely. That, honestly, that was my first question. I wanted to lead with that question, um, but I'm glad I didn't. So, um, <clears throat> I had just a side a side question. Um, I feel like side I know. Peace. <laughs> I feel like I know yeah. the answer to this Fight. question, but um, I was reading uh, the Circle Maker. Great book. And. Actually, we were interviewing a girl that we went to high school with last week, and she blew my mind just in her growth and her changes. And, you know, us us three having a conversation it was nothing like the conversation that we would have had in high school, you know. Wow. So it being full – it was just, you know, she's like, look, we're on COTM right now. Like, what do you yeah. mean, you know? So it was, oh, it was cool. great, but um, she brought up 
because like her and her parents had a bad relationship when she finally jumped into Jesus for her own. I asked her, how is your relationship with your parents now? She's like, amazing. She's like, I've, she's, like, she's like, I've been in my word. I see that I need to honor them. So that's where that question actually came from. But the second part was that I was asking her about her morning routine, what her journaling, what her word time looks like. Um, and she's like, oh, you know, sometimes I read a chapter, two chapters. Sometimes I journal. Sometimes I don't. She's like, and sometimes I just read one verse and I stay on that verse for like three months. So it just, it just happens like that. And so I was like, okay. That's really cool. Because my perspective was I need to read the whole Bible or I got to get through this Bible somehow. And so that's what I've been trying to figure out for the last like two, two and a half months. Like how am I going to get through this whole thing? And not from an endurance standpoint. It's something that I want to do. Um, but how do I do it? And her saying, you know, one verse, three months, I was like, oh, it's not even about getting through the whole word. It's just like, right? So not at all. But um, so then I cracked open the circle maker like the other day and I've been stuck on, I don't know, I'm in like chapter four or something like that. Uh, and it was talking about praying through versus praying for. And then it went to praising through. Um, and it talked about people that have been praying and are not advanced, but have been in that journey of prayer and what happens when you shift from praying for something instead of praising for something as if it's already yours and already granted. Um, And it totally changed my perspective. And I started looking at my business and instead of praying for an opportunity or a deal or a business partner, I started praising God, whatever. I'm thank you for that opportunity that's going to come. And that just shifted my energy so much to where I read that one line and I closed the book because I was just like, (laughs) like that was, you know, that was all I needed. Um, but a question that started to come because I was like, wow, I pray a lot. Um, but how much do I praise and what does that ratio look like? So my question to you is, do you see yourself praying or praising more? Because when, (laughs) you know, it's because you're on pulpit and you're having praise breaks all the time, but you'll pray at the beginning and maybe at the end of service, but you probably had two, three praise breaks throughout that service. And you're probably having internal praise breaks that we don't even know about. Um, And obviously I know that you spend an enormous amount of time with our God, the father. Um, So, you know, I'm assuming you praise more than the average man, but um, what is your do you do you see or is it, is it, do you pray or praise more? That's such a great question. I'm preaching a sermon on Sunday called "The Father Who Praises," <laughs> so that, that's pretty funny. Uh, literally, it's called "The Father Who Praises," um, and it breaks down what praise is versus mm. what it's not. Mm. Um, the first time we. Uh, no, that's important, dude. That'll take me way too long to respond to. I don't want to do that. Um, so the the highest form of praise that you can give God is a word called hallelujah. Mm. And hallelujah, it's the highest adoration. And so when you say hallelujah, it's just giving praise, exhortation, love, value, and worth to God. That, that, that's, what, that's what praise is. Mm. And so you can praise in your prayers. Right. It's very possible to praise God in your prayers. Mm. Um, To answer your question, do I spend more time praising and praying? No. 
You know, I think I incorporate both a lot. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I know, like, that's I, why. I, I feel like I do a lot of both. So, <laughs> so the, Bible, the Bible actually says in Psalms, like David's very clear, it says, come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So when you enter into his presence, gratitude and praise are the key to you having a healthy perspective. Mm. And so I think so much of So I was driving to Starbucks around probably 5.30 on Tuesday. And, uh, and... I love starting my morning with a song that has nothing to do with me, but everything to just do with God. And there's a song by Gateway Worship called God and King. And all it says is all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice to him and sing. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Let all things their creator bless and worship him in righteousness. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the chorus says, oh, praise. I just went to another song by Hillsong. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> all glory to our God and King. Every crown thrown down in offering. Every knee shall bow and voice proclaim, You are God, you are King. And, um, dude, I, I think that when you come before God with a heart that just wants to give him praise not because of what he's done but because of who he is yeah that it unleashes an intimacy that is very different than than probably how a lot of Christians view God a lot God loves when we ask him for things right I love when my wife asks me for things it doesn't bother me but if my wife continually asked me for something and that was the essence of our relationship was her asking I want to feel very valued mm. but when my wife just wants to be with me for me when my wife wants to just spend time with me for me and when my wife uses her words to affirm the way that God has built and designed me it gives me a feeling that I can't necessarily explain it's it's deep it's beautiful it's lovely and I think at times we forget that God is relational and that when you, when people come into his presence to get something rather than just to be there, then your relationship with God is in its purest form, a genie and a bottle relationship, hmm. which sucks. And praise is directly connected to because of who you are. Hmm. You are God. You are king. You are high above it all. You are worthy. And when you begin to speak out and release your words and your concept of God into the atmosphere, it does something for your soul. Yeah. And so a lot of times I come before God, if, if I'm being honest now that I'm thinking about it more, you guys are forcing me to figure out my method to this. Um, <laughs> it is very praiseworthy. It, it is very, very praiseworthy. Uh, but the prayers consist of praise. I remember just driving to Starbucks, tears are rolling down my face. And I'm just like, you're worthy, God. God, you're beautiful. Didn't ask for one thing. Just yeah. praising him, thanking him, honoring him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise him. I'm like, God, I'm just joining the sun, the mountains, the trees, Coyote Lake that I'm driving by, the birds, the beasts of the field. I'm just partaking and joining all the earth, doing what we were created to do, giving honor and glory and power. And I'm just like, I'm just going in because I was strengthening my concept of him. And, yeah. and so mm -hmm. praise I think is connected to prayer. 
Um, and I think that praise is a great way to go into the presence of God because it, it puts you into alignment with the reality of who you're getting ready to talk to. And, and you're not just coming before your father, but you're coming with someone who is, is high above it all, who's ruling the earth with truth and grace and making the nations prove the glory of his righteousness. You're, you're meeting with the one who, who, who knows every galaxy, every star by name. You're, you're dealing with the one who created the human body. You're dealing with the one who, who literally has began the beginning and is eternally existent in a realm that we don't have the ability to enter unless he opens us up to it. Like you're dealing with the one who decided to invite us into his presence, not because he, he not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Like you're dealing with someone that is completely complete, is the essence of every good and perfect thing that we will ever experience. And when you begin to talk about that, you begin to remind your mind, your will, and your emotions about how great he is. And I think that's why David says, like when you come, come with gratitude. And come with praise, come with thanksgiving, come with praise, come with thanksgiving, come with praise. Because when you begin to just thank him, like everything seems a lot smaller. Yeah. When you begin to praise him, everything seems a lot smaller. And so I, I think that praise does need to be a part of, of one's life. And you do it through words. And, and praise is marvelous. Praise is beautiful. And, and so I would encourage all Christians out there to... To get your praise on, and there's moments, man, where like my praise get, it gets rowdy. Yeah, like, it doesn't happen often. Uh, Jamal's caught me in it, I think once, you know, after a meeting. Um, <laughs> I mean, Becca's caught me in it a few times. You know, there's moments where I'm so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I just, I'm just not going to be casual about it. I'm going right. to be loose. I'm going to jump up and down and be like gonna Grandma V during service, yeah, yeah, just probably, praising probably the entire works. time. Probably works. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> and and it, it gets rowdy. Yeah, it gets rowdy, and uh, and and it's just the undignified praise that he deserves. Mm. And uh, yeah, I bring that up because I know that a lot of us, a lot of us, um, more times, if we're in a situation or circumstance or place in our life that we're not comfortable with or that is hard or that doesn't seem fair or whatever that majority of the time we spend our time praying to get out of that situation as opposed to praising for the fact that we're in it mm. um, because what it's going to do for us so if you're listening to this episode and you do not like where you're at it doesn't feel fair it doesn't feel easy it's tough and uh so on and so forth just praise for where you're at it's building endurance it's building resilience it's building strength um, it's building all of those. It's building faith um, as well. So praise for where you're at. But um, my uh, one of my last one of my last questions. Um, obviously, you have a great sense of God's voice, and that is probably a product of a few things. It's probably a product of your calling. Um, it's probably a product of your work ethic that you put in getting to know him. Um, and so I guess for, you know, maybe the quote unquote average Joe that is not a pastor, um, <laughs> how do we develop that sense of his voice um, in the con in the con in the context, in the context of like <laughs> he <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are asking me like segment driven questions. <laughs> How do we hear the voice of God? Well, <laughs> no, well, because the thing is, we always hear it, but I, I know that people that aren't as experienced in, un, in listening to it, that you might hear a voice That's and think, 
is it him? Is yeah. it not? Um, and I, I know that there's also times where it's undeniably him and there's no questioning it and like, okay, this is what God's telling me to do. But there's also times where it's like, okay, this, this idea, this thought or whatever just popped up in my mind that feels right. Um, but it's not as strong as that moment where it was undeniable. Um, and I know that, I guess that requires, you know, a faith, um, to go ahead and step in that thought anyways, or step in that idea or step in that direction or whatever. But is there even a practical way like yeah, to, to so. develop that? You know, I think so. I think, I think number one, that um, when you walk in God's way, his voice follows. And so you should start with, with listening to what God says that you should do just on a normal ground of living. Mm. Uh, you start there. Like people are like, I want to hear the voice of God about my future. Yeah. Like, I, had a, I had a lady walk up to me about a month ago <laughs> and she was like, I just want to step into my calling. I was like, cool. Well, tell me about your life. She said, I've been waiting for years on God to do something. I said, cool. Tell me about your life. Yeah. And she's like, well, I've been living with this guy for the last 14 years. We have two kids. And I was just like, I need to get married. Yeah. Well, you need to get married. Yeah. Your life's out of order. Mm-hmm. Like, like start obeying in the little things in your integrity. God right. will speak to you about your dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think at times we're like, oh, I need to hear his voice. I'm like, yo, he is speaking directly out of his word, telling you on how you should live your right. life. Start there. Yeah. And and I think we want like that big revelation. Yeah. Because you know, we're millennials. I want the big word. And I'm like, no, for sure. But are you listening to what he's telling you to to mm-hmm. do just in regards to your personal life like right. if we were just to stop and just reflect as people right now and say what are some areas that I am lacking that God wants to be strong in mm. what are some struggles that I'm having that I need to be stronger in my obedience to the Lord yeah we could we would all have them that's the voice of God right because I know I can speak from getting small pieces and those small pieces are beyond more than enough. And there's a reason why one verse can dynamically shift your entire energy and spirituality and so on and so forth. And so I think, I think, and I feel like there's a lot of people that they just want a little, they don't even need the full dream and vision and revelation. They just want something small, you know, to start with and see, like they want the breadcrumbs. Um, but maybe they're not seeing it. So that that's kind of where I, I would say I would say two things. That number one, revelation without transformation is empty. Correct. Like you can get a revelation and not be transformed and it's not gonna do anything. Right. So information on its own is just information. But Correct. information that is lived out is activating. Mm. Um and so that's where the power is. But the second thing I would say to people who want a breadcrumb about their future, about their calling. Um, this is really, really good. Um, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Whatever is inside of you, get it out of you. Mm-hmm. Like God is giving you the gift of free will, and you could just take a hard look at your passion. You can take a hard look at your gift set. You can take a hard look at how God has wired you. And that is where you should put your chips into leading into basically, that's where you should like push your chips all in and be like, yo, I want to start pursuing and doing this. That's the imagu day. That's the image of God. And I think oftentimes people are like, I want to hear the voice of God, and 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 I, and I want you to hear the voice of God too. But but at the end of the day, what do you want to do? Yeah, like your life is your life, and so everything you do is called to be for the glory of God. And so people need to understand, like like integrity. That's the most important thing to God. Character. Right. That's the most important thing to God. Now from that place you live. Yeah, you live from the overflow. And so what do I want to do? 
What, what am I passionate about? Mm-hmm. What, what's burning inside of my heart? What do I want to pursue? What do I want to go after? Now you're tapping into the deeper levels of what God has placed inside of you. David, we have no recollection outside of David being anointed as king what exactly he was born to do. Yeah. Like David, for the first 13 years of his life, was a shepherd. Yeah. He loved to worship. He knew he was supposed to take care of his sheep. And he just stayed consistent in there, in that. And there was a heart inside of David that was called to transform the world. From that point, he got anointed. And David, it was never anointed over David that he would be a worship leader, but he was. Yeah. It was never anointed over David that he was going to be a warrior, but he was. It was never anointed over David that he was going to be a songwriter, but he was. Yeah. It was only anointed inside of David that he was only going to be a king. Yeah. But he was so multifaceted in how God wired him. So that's why David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. David, the warrior, David, the writer, David, the leader, David, the king, David, the worship leader, like all that is within me. David, the musician, because he played the harp, like all that is within me is going to bless the God. We have no recollection of scripture of God saying, David, I want you to play the harp for my glory and learn these instruments. David, I want you to be a warrior and fight battles that are impossible. David, also, I want you to be a writer and I want you to write the book of Psalms for my glory. There is zero recollection of that in Bible. That was the overflow of David's heart. That's why he's like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Like, like, yo, God hasn't told me clear cut that he wants me to be an author, but I'm going to write. Yeah. God hasn't told me clear cut that he wants me to travel the world and speak, but I'm going to. Yeah. God hasn't told me clear cut that I'm supposed to get married, but I'm married. Mm. God hasn't told me clear cut. I want you to have this many children, but I'm going to have me some babies. You yeah. know, like, like all that is within me is going to bless the Lord. And so oftentimes, like I talk to people, they're like, oh, I want God to tell me to do something. What do you want to do? Right. What's in your heart? Yeah. You know what I mean? What's God speaking to the innermost parts of who you are? And this yeah. is where I get passionate because like so. So many people are living their lives. If y'all are listening, hear me out. Like so many people are living their lives in a way that they weren't created or wired to live. And it breaks my heart because they're wasting their time. They're going into careers that they don't want to be in. They're going into spaces that they don't want to be. They're doing jobs that they don't want to have. And I'm like, you are wasting your life completely. Like I wake up every single day and I love doing what I do. Yeah. I love doing what I do. It's one of my greatest passions to be able to pastor, lead, and empower people in the relationship with Jesus. One of my greatest callings is to, is to like, one of my greatest destinies is to help people find their destinies in Christ. Like, yeah. this is my mantra. Like, I love doing what I do. But at the end of the day, like, man, I could not imagine doing anything else. Yeah. And people are living their lives in this in this space of mediocrity and in right. this space of slavery, like being constricted and, and, and not taking risks and not stepping out in the great unknown and like and like doing things for money. Like homie, the first year of ministry, I had people sending me money so I could intern the second year of ministry. My checks were $235 every two weeks. I was barely making five. Like five hundred dollars a month, yeah. like yo, no, I activated my gift and money came. Yeah, you know what I mean. And right. so, and people they have these weird mindsets of like they're living day to day in mundane, mediocre, safe 
casual lifestyles when the reality of the situation is that God has placed giftings, anointings, talents, skills inside of each of us. It's called the Imagu Dei, the image of God, fearfully, wonderfully, and intricately designed by heaven. And so when people are like, yo, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to attack? What are you passionate about? Oh, I'm passionate about radio. Well, bro, start a podcast, bro. Go to school. What are you passionate about? Education. Go be a teacher. I'm passionate about the body. Go into physical therapy. I'm passionate about medicine. Go be a doctor. I'm passionate about music. Go into the music industry. And we're in a day and age, man, where people are so freaking afraid to fail. Like, it blows my mind. They're like, no, but there's so many other musicians. You're right. And there's so many other pastors. And there's so many other churches. And there's so many other athletes. And there's so many other businesses. And there's so many other restaurants. Like, there's so many other everything. Yeah. Like it's an equal level playing field yep. at the end of the day. Yep. And people are so afraid to fail because they view failure as an as an identity rather than an opportunity for them to learn, grow, and get better. I remember in the second year of ministry, we were about 100 between 150 people. I feel the Holy Spirit. We're about 100. We were between 100 and 150 people. I promise you. We were between 100 and 150 people. And we had this amazing idea that was called Happy Hour. Amazing idea. We're like, we have an idea and it's going to change the city. We're going to have Happy Hour groups. And what we're going to do is every single week, we're going to have a small group at different houses. We're going to have a house in Morgan Hill. We're going to have a house in San Jose. People are going to come to the house. We're going to have a brief, 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 brief meeting. There's going to be food. There's going to be a little quick video of media to talk about the sermon that we talked about. And then we're going to get the people in the houses. We're going to break out the local restaurants and we're going to have small groups. It's going to work. It's going to be great. We did that first. The first time we did our signups, we had 150 signups. We only had seven leaders. In six weeks, it completely died. It didn't work and it was destroyed. Wow. In six weeks, completely fell off. Yeah. The reason why I fell off is because we didn't have enough leaders yeah. to sustain the amount of people that we got signed up. I could have done one of two things with that. I could have been like, you know what? It didn't work. I'm a failure. Or I could have said, okay, this is a really good opportunity for me to learn. Yeah. Leadership development needs to be at the forefront of my attention. Three years later, we took 97 leaders up on a mountain to have an experience with God. Now I learned leadership development has to be at the forefront of my attention so that people can grow, so that people can know how to lead, so people can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and people can have encounters with God. So when we do small groups in the future, which we will, it'll be strong. We're launching a sanctification class in July. We had something called the exchange. It didn't work three years ago. I'm like, no, I need to have stronger men male and female leaders over discipleship that I trusted decree and declare the, the word of God with an anointing that is powerful. Mm. Trey and Michelle, they're going to be overseeing that class. It's going to be Fuego every other Monday yeah. night. Like now, <laughs> yeah. I learned through that experience, like, wow, the callings of God are upon people. People need to be mature. People need to be activated. Yo, I have failed more than I have succeeded in ministry. Yeah. But it's not my identity. I've learned. I've learned, and people are so afraid to fail that they're not willing to step out and learn. Yeah. People are so fearful of failure that they're not willing, for some crazy reason that I don't understand, to try new things. Yeah. And the fun part of life is trying new things. Yeah. I mean, man, how long did Thomas Edison work on the light bulb before he got it? How long did Alexander Graham Bell work on the phone before it dialed? Right. How long did it take a black president to become president of our country? What the freak? Yeah. 
Like, and yet people are just afraid. They're like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm, I just, I'm just gonna work a nine to five, which if that's what you're called to do, do it. But like, I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna be in sales and I don't wanna be in sales. I'm just gonna work here because it's like, yo, you are completely diminishing how God built you to be and all that is within you isn't able to bless God. So you're miserable. Yeah. Wow. You're miserable hmm. because all that is within you doesn't have the ability to bless God. You're miserable. Wow. You're, you're operating in lack. Not an overflow. And something happens in the human condition when we're experiencing challenge. Yeah. When we don't know how to do it. I've been speaking revival over this city for years. Now we're drawing nearly a thousand young adults weekly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it might be possible, but it's the challenge of the Bay Area that gets me. Right. It's the impossibility. It can't happen. 98% of the church. No. People are too smart. It's the challenge. I had a guy tell me, your, your biggest challenge is going to be on universities. Now I've made it a point to go on to university campuses and see Jesus reign. Right. It's the challenge. It, it's, the, it's the expansion. It's the unknown. It's the, it's the faith. Being sure of what I hope for. Certain of what I do not see. It's the dream. Like If you even look at Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, he was prophetically speaking something into existence that had not ever been for the African Correct. community in America at that time. Right. I have a dream. Listen to his speech every Everything he spoke was literally not taking place. No. But he spoke it. And after his life, generations later, it's happening. Yeah. It's here. Unbelievable. Like we have the ability to do that in our lives. We have the ability to do that in our jobs. We have the ability to do that in our callings and our purposes, man. And so people in regards to living a life that is mediocre, it's mainly because they're fearful to step out. If you even look at children, like look at children when they're learning to walk. Do you ever get mad at a five-year-old for, or do you ever get mad at a two-year-old for falling when they walk? No. You never do. What do they do? They fall. They look crazy. Sometimes they cry and they get up and they try it again. Yeah. It is within our innate nature, in our development, to fail, then succeed. To fail, then succeed. I can't tell you how many times my niece Chandler would just hit the ground mm. when she was growing up. Yeah. Falling, falling, falling. But then one day, all of a sudden, she's cruising. She's walking. She's got it. She's a little wobbly, but she's got it. It's the same way in business. It's the same way in ministry. It's the same way in politics. It's just, okay, okay, I failed, but, but I'm learning. I'm learning how to walk. Oh, that didn't work, but I'm going to learn how to do it. Like literally, one of the biggest steps of faith we took last year was the downtown Morgan Hill Amphitheater. Yeah. Every major catalytic event we did, we did in this building. And then we went into a building where we had a rent-a-sound system, where we had to build a bunch of equipment that it cost uh, $15,000 to do the event, where we had to raise the funds, and it was fearful. God, yeah. are we going to have that much money? God, what? And we learned. Yeah. We got better. We expanded our territory. We did something we never did before. And that's why life sucks for so many freaking Christians. God bless you guys, but my God. Like that's why like in the world, whatever, but like Christians in the church, they live their lives so safe yeah. and casual. And in this mindset of like White House, picket fence, two point five kids. I don't want any of that. That's whack to me. Yeah. That's whack. That's not in the Bible. It's not. Jesus would say some of the craziest statements to his disciples. Yeah, hey, Peter, um, since you confessed who I am, let me tell you who you are. You're the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Like, he would whisper to the future of who these men were. Yeah. 
He spoke to the innermost things that he saw inside of him that they could not see. Even in the very beginning of Peter's ministry, he looks at him, hey, you, uh, you caught fish, but yeah, you're going to catch men. What? Let's go. Yeah. Like the reason why the 12 followed Jesus is not spiritual as they make, made it, but their destiny was directly attached to that man. Yeah. Why did Peter leave his net so quickly? Because Peter was tired of fishing. Yeah. Oh, Peter must have known, I'm not, I'm not called to fish. There's more where this guy is going. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like we make it so spiritual, bro. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. you know, he just saw God and he left. No, I think Peter was like, I don't give a snap crap he, he been tired about of fishing. It. Yeah. Wow. Like there's more in me than these fish. And then God says, There's more in you. He's like, let's go. Like God brings out all that is within us. And so even with people, they have childlike dreams, yeah. childlike visions, childlike ambitions and passions that are within them that are lying dormant. They're just sitting there. Mm wandering, waiting to be brought out. Why do you think Jesus said, you must become like a child to enter the kingdom of God? Mm. Childlike faith is so powerful. It's beautiful because children believe that their parents can do anything. They believe that their parents can do anything. Mm. They believe that, they're, that, they're, that their loved ones can, can make anything happen. And that's how we're called to be with God. He can do anything. He can make anything happen. You must become like a child, not an adult. You must become like a child to enter the kingdom of God. And so my prayer for people who, who want to hear the voice of God and want to go after God and hear his voice, God has already spoken to your talents, your desires, and your passions. Just don't let them lay dormant. Let them come out. Yeah. Like in my life, I don't want to go to heaven full. I want to go to heaven empty. Yeah. I don't want to go to heaven like, oh, man, I got a lot left. I'm be like, look, I wrote books. I planted churches. Put it all out there. I, I love my <laughs> wife. I love my children. God, I, I raised up pastors. I set the next generation up for success. God, I traveled the world. God, I saw the world. I'm ready. There's a point in scripture where we can't, and as Paul says, as he knows his life is coming to an end, I've run my race. Like Paul was at a point in his spiritual journey where he was like, I've done everything I needed to do. I ran. Yeah. Mm. What, a, what a journey it's been. And think about Paul. Think about as he's sitting in the, mm, think about Paul as he's sitting in the prison in Rome as he's writing his protege, Timothy. And he's just reflecting. I've run my race. Years of preaching the gospel. Left it on the court. <laughs> take it, taking it out to Asia Minor and up to Greece, and now I'm in Rome. I've watched the church expand. I've seen dead people raised. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of converts. I've wrote, written multiple letters to churches. I've raised up men and women of different ethnicities and generations. I've seen the gospel go past the Jews and go into the Gentiles. I've seen the gospel move into the regions of Africa and up to the, and up to the northern side of our world on the eastern hemisphere. I've, I've ran. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten with rods. I've been stoned. I've literally, at one point, they thought I was dead. I've come back to life. I've been broken out of prison. I've been comforted by angels. I've seen families and men and women and children come to know the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've lost people on the journey. And you just sense and it's writing to this young man who's going to go and that he's desiring would take the gospel further than he could ever take it. He's like, I ran. Yeah. I'm dying like I ran. Yeah. Like that's living. Paul went to heaven empty. Gave everything I had to the cause, Lord. 
Did everything I know to do. And I can honestly say before God, if I died today, I don't know what else I could have done. Like, I, I honestly, God forbid, because I want to live long. But if I died today, I want to trip. I get to heaven like, they'll be all right. Yeah. They'll be just fine. You can honestly say the bear is going to be taken care of, Lord. Let me come into glory. Let's kick it. Like, I, like, I, I will die content because I, the, the life that I'm living is full. And yeah. it's emptying me daily. Mm. And that's what I want for people. People should not go to heaven full. They should go to heaven empty. Wow. They should go to heaven like, man, I, I gave everything for the cause of Christ. I unlocked every gift that he gave me. And that's why I think David, at the end of his life, in Psalms 139, the king, the worship leader, the writer, the author, he went to heaven. Or in Psalms 139, he says, you know, in light of all life, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. Try me in all my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me the way everlasting. That was the last song you wrote. Search me and know my heart. Hmm. And, 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 and to me, I, I think that that is such a beautiful way to live life. It, it's to live with purpose and to live each day that it's a gift from God and there's purpose in it. And every day I'm working more towards the all that is within me. Yeah. That's what I want for people. So in regards to hearing the voice of God and answering it in a very long way, like <laughs> I would really encourage people to not strengthen their ability to hear God's voice. I would encourage them to strengthen their ability to live in integrity and to obey the word of the Lord and to attack the God-given potential that is within them. And they'll hear God's voice along the way. They will. Like, they'll, they'll hear his voice along the way. It wasn't all the time that Abraham would get these crazy, crazy words. Years would go by before God spoke a crazy word to him. Years. He was just living. Just being who God created him to be. Yeah. And we live for, like, these monumental moments. And yeah. And we're few and far in between. It's that day-to-day consistency, man, of, of pursuing all that God has placed inside you. So that's, that's what I want for humanity, especially Christians, because Christians tend to do it worse than anyone else. It bothers me. So... For those of you listening, got to break that fourth wall Take again. Take that to the bank, homie. <laughs> this is our pastor, and this is exactly why you need to get your butt to FCC encounter ASAP. ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky. Um, uh, nah. Nah. <laughs> oh, thank you for your time, man. I'm really, sorry, I, man. I went long on that one. No, we wanted, we wanted it. We wanted it. We wanted it. So talking about ambition and battle. It's a million views right there. <laughs> man, let's see. Hey, we, we wanted it. Out. I said, I feel the Holy Spirit. Out. We were like, okay, <laughs> let's go. Yep. Um, but um, we'll wrap it up. Quick little uh, little prayer and uh, yep. and uh, call it a day. Cool. Yeah, Father, we just uh, we thank you for this day. Thank you for these men. Thank you for COTM. God, I pray your blessing, your favor. God, your supernatural breakthrough. I pray that every episode that they do will go further than the last one. God, that you would continue mm-hmm. to increase their capacity, that you would in- continue to increase their influence. God, that as they step out to find out that they will learn new methods, new systems, and new ways, Father God, to take this podcast to a new level because your hand is upon it, God. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the listeners, God, um, who are here. Uh, if they listen to this episode, God, I pray some would touch them. Uh, I pray that a portion of this would speak directly to the innermost parts of who they are. God, I pray that they would know that they're loved, that it's never too late, that they're never too far to come home, that they're mm-hmm. never out of your reach, and it's never too late to tap into the God-given potential that you place within them, Father. Lord, we love you. We give you glory for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to live life in, in a day and age where people are taking their lives at such a rapid rate, Father God. Yeah. We pray, Jesus, that you would just... Uh, mm. 
your father, you would show people, uh, that you would just show your children, Father God, uh, that uh, this life, though it may be difficult, um, can be beautiful with you in it. Mm. Uh, you truly are the way, the truth, and the life, God. And so I lift up every person who, uh, regardless of where they're at in their journey, I pray that they would just know that they're seen, even if they don't believe, that they're loved, even if they don't feel the God. And if you could just stretch out your hand and touch them right where they are, Lord, I pray that you would. Because I do believe that one encounter with you can change their lives forever. We love you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Um.